Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everybody, to the Mike Abbott here show. It's Gino and myself going to be talking a lot of Olympics, maybe covering a little bit of Major League Baseball, a little bit of a preview before the uh, you know spring training goes full force. But this is mainly going to be an Olympic edition episode, and we've got a big announcement to make. We'll save that towards the end of the show. I'm really excited about delivering the news, Gino. Mikey, 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 we have a big show. We have a huge guest. We had... Gold medal winner Julia Mancuso uh, on the show. We had an interview with her the other day. She is actually covering the Olympics right now for NBC, so we couldn't get her on live. But we are very, very lucky that she was able to spare a few of her very precious moments right now to talk with us. So we got some insight on uh, on what things are like on the ground over in Pyeongchang. And I am really, really looking forward to reliving that interview that we uh, had earlier in the week. What by the way, awesome. let me interrupt you. I'm, I'm very impressed, by the way, because everybody calls it Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang! And, and a Korean corrected it, corrected the record and yeah, said, it it's Pyeongchang. Kimes. Why is everybody calling it Pyeongchang? So I'm very I impressed that you got Kimes. it right. I trust Mina Kimes, right? I don't know why she would put – she's a, a super good sports writer for ESPN. I've, I've, she's on Levitard Show a lot. I think she's she's got a great personality. She's fun. She plays around. I don't know why she would say that. Being someone whose family knows it well, if it wasn't true. So I I heard her say that, and I, I think it's Pyeongchang. So that's what, I, that's what I've been going with since. But I got to ask you, Mike, last night, did you watch the women's hockey team win the gold? This was the first women's hockey game I can honestly say I've ever watched. It isn't it on the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice? Yeah, was it exactly the day? I think so. I believe yeah. so. 38 yeah. years ago to the day they, they pulled this off. Now, I must confess, I didn't catch the game, but I heard it was epic. And I, I'm in a, a text thread where the texts were blowing up about the game and, and uh, you know how exciting it was. But I know you saw it. What, give me the highlights. So, uh, tie game, went into overtime. Incredible. Then it goes into a shootout. So you're in the shootout for the gold, which there is nothing more pressure-filled, to be completely honest, where every shot literally could be a victory or a loss for not only your team, but for your country. I mean, think about it. How many people last night, like me, that have never watched women's hockey or very rarely watch women's hockey, this is really what the Olympics are about. Because if you would have asked me three weeks ago, Gino, are you going to be sitting down at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night watching a women's hockey game, I would have laughed and said no. But they're in the gold. They're in the in the gold medal game. You start to feel the buzz online, and you're seeing people start to talk about it. So you flip the game on, and then you watch. It's just incredible. There's a rivalry between the U.S. and Canada. We know how incredible Canada is at hockey just in general. That's the, the sport of their country. And there's been um, – the last two times that the women played in the final against Canada, they were defeated. So they were trying to overcome one of their big rivals, a team that's had their way with them as of late. It was just incredible. Not only do they go to a shootout, but after five shooters, it's still tied. So they need to extend the shootout, go to a six shooter. So what happened was 
The U.S. had the opportunity to win it with the fifth shooter they missed, but um, instead they got to go next. It was just incredible. The United States pull out the victory. They win the gold in overtime, 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 shootout overtime, which is just incredible. As someone who played soccer, um, knowing what it's like to be involved in a shootout, it's so nerve-wracking, and it's something that you really, when you're playing, you don't want to happen. You don't want to go to a shootout. You'd much rather have the game end in uh, in regulation time or in, in sudden death where you're where playing and it's actually a goal needed to be scored. But uh, no, That's an interesting point, by the way. How do you feel about shootouts in general anyways, whether it be hockey or the, soccer? See, I don't think in a final game I want it to be sudden death. I so what would mind. be what would be the equivalent in any of the other big sports? So would it be a free throw contest or a game of horse in basketball? Would it be a field goal contest in football? Or I guess maybe college football has it the right way where they maybe take kind of a balance where you don't entirely change the game, but you shorten the field. I love it MLB, maybe a home run contest. I don't know. I love the way college football does it. To me, that's the best way to do it. You give everybody a shot, you know, and then. If they both score a couple times, then they then you kind of extend it a little bit to where they have to go for two. But as you said, it's a it's the to me the best microcosm of the game, right? You're actually playing the game. You're still strategizing the way you would have to beat to to win a game. This shootouts are just they're terrifying, man. They are terrifying. It it was a triple deke, I believe. And again, I'm not I'm not an expert in in hockey to begin with, but. It was I, I I recognized the move from uh, from the Mighty Ducks I think is what <laughs> nice. it was and, and then uh, there were a lot of people online that were saying what an American way to win it with a triple deke and this and that and uh, it was it was just fun and this is what the Olympics are about right is that it's about getting that passion getting that uh, belief that um, you know rooting for your country that you know I, I don't I honestly don't care about snowboarding on a regular i'm not an x games guy i'm not a big fan of, i mean curling's fun to watch speed skating these, these are sports that i'm not quite that interested in and and this is kind of a good way to to uh, kind of transition to another point i know you wanted to bring up mike and we when we talked to julia of a couple days ago even now when we look at the medal count it's honestly a little bit disappointing for the U.S. We, we always imagine that we're going to be right up on the top of all the medals. When we talked to Julia a couple days ago, we only had 10 medals. We're up to 21 medals now, sitting in fourth behind Norway, Germany, and Canada. But this is one point that I heard brought up on, and I honestly can't exactly remember where, but when you watch the Summer Olympics, how many of your friends, Mike, or kids growing up or people that you knew played basketball or ran track or swam, or um, any of those Summer Olympic games. Because I sure know plenty of people in my life that did that. But think about it this way. How many people growing up did you know that were all-world snowboarders, or skiers, or um, curlers, or doing things that you see in these Winter Olympics from a very young age? That just is not the way that we're brought up a lot in the U.S., especially on the West Coast here. But then you think about that in Norway and in Germany and in Canada. What are they doing at a very young age? They are bobsledding. They are curling. They are speed skating. They are skiing. So uh, to me, I think that's that's always a key aspect of the difference between the winters and the summers. 
Well, you know, the summer games ha- do have some obscure sports and events, but not nearly to the extent of the winter games. And, and you're right. It, it has, and it's entirely based on climate and geography. Where do you live and what kind of climate do you have? So obviously you're not going to be, you know, a surfer if, you look for, if you're from the Midwest. You know what I mean? Same thing. You're not going to be a skier if you're, you know, if you're in Texas, typically speaking. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean if you're are going to come from Montana. You, you know, grow up uh, in California, you are not able to train, really, even. Think, I mean, uh, unless you're in Tahoe, right? Or, or yeah, you know, where, where they're world-class resorts, which actually Julia is from that that part of the country, but or part of the state. But you know, majority of the time, yeah, Californians and, I mean, aren't going to be in the winter games. And we're talking about young. We're talking about young kids and money and stuff like that too, right? You know, this is a lot of these sports. If you're someone that's living in the inner city, you're never going to be able to get involved in snowboarding. Or you're never going to be able to, to afford the type of equipment that's needed for bobsledding or, you know, something like that, right? I don't even know how you get into bobsledding or <laughs> curling. I, I really don't know. If no, I want to sign either. up for it, where do I sign up? And you know, is there like a youth league I, for curling? <laughs> you and I host a sports radio show. We're not exactly novices in the world when it comes to sporting events, what to do, where to find that information. So if guys like you and I don't even know, could you imagine like the, the regular people that are tuning in to watch sports that aren't really big immersed into the sports world they would have no idea how to go getting about you know getting involved in in stuff like this so it's fun to watch love watching it we'll root but you always got to take it with a grain of salt when you understand that you know norway germany canada this is this is what they all are training for all the time pointing for you know, this is these are the Olympics that they are really shooting for. And I'm not taking anything away from any of our our U.S. competitors because they're all incredibly talented and skilled in their own right. And I think it's super impressive to even get to this point um, f- for so many of them to get to the Olympics. And I just think, well, well, here's the part that confuses me, by the way. So this is kind of a microcosm of what you're talking about. Well, actually, let me take a step back. When you look at it from the bigger picture, I remember years ago, the Olympics were considered the amateur games. These are the best non-professional athletes, right? And then there were some rule changes. And like, I remember like the Olympic baseball team from 1984, as an example, Mark McGuire was on the baseball team and Will Clark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then there was a rule change and they allowed professionals. So you had NHLers and NBA guys and MLB guys and so on and so forth in all these sports. Now it seems like the pros are being removed from the Olympics again. I'm not even sure exactly now what the rule is. Is it all amateurs? Is it not? Now, I think the reason that they changed the rule in the first place was because they're like, well, Carl Lewis is getting sponsor dollars. So technically he's not an amateur. So if those guys in track and field aren't amateurs, we should just open it up to everybody. I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is knowing that should they even have these team sports where you have pro leagues, because technically the Olympics should be the best athletes in the world in those sports, but yeah, they're the, really not in certain sports. So the NHL did not allow the, the hockey players to play in the Olympics this year. So uh, what had happened was last time being in the middle of the season, disruption. It, it just completely disrupts the season. Yep. And, you know, I, I got to be completely honest, too. Like, you, you know, if you're an owner of one of those teams, would you want to let your your star players, your best players go for two or three weeks in the middle of the of a season? And you got to think about the timing right now, too. But here's the thing. They would, I think, if it meant a little bit more because you see it in soccer. 
right? And soccer, and, but it, I mean, from all over the world are assembled for the World Cup. No, you're right. You're right. And it, and it is a little different in the World Cup, I think. I think because, also because of the timing and because of the fact that there isn't one general league where, you know, if, if like the Bundesliga didn't let certain players go, but a couple of the other le- leagues let players go, then it, it wouldn't really, like, there's not one league in soccer that one governing body to be able to really affect the World Cup like the NHL can do, right? Sure. Because if MLS says we're not going to let our players go, then all the other, but it, but all the other leagues do. So know? then, shouldn't they think about scrapping some of those sports where it just doesn't make sense? Because to me, like I said, if you think of of the Olympics dating back to like ancient times, where you had the best athletes from around the world, or however it went, you know, back at the Colosseum in Rome, right? You had the best of the best in each sport. So if in today's world that's not feasible, I would almost say scrap those sports where you have amateurs that are not as good as the professionals because we've got a better venue or forum for it. Well, I I think, yeah, and and honestly, I think it's one of those things where it feels a little bit bigger right now because it's happening. But think about it. What other team sports in the Winter Olympics would we even really know anyone? It's only hockey, right? I mean, honestly, there's nothing else. We wouldn't know... Hockey and I think maybe uh, skiing and maybe snowboarding because of the X Games. But I guess those are individual sports. Yeah, but but that's my point is that the stars for those sports are still there. Yeah, it's it's only hockey that the stars aren't there. That we would that the big names that we would know aren't playing for the yeah, also for the summer games where yeah, because because you're right in the summer games it matters a lot more because there are so many more team sports where the the amateurs are playing and not necessarily the professionals are playing. In sure. This- and by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but be- because of exactly what I'm talking about, they end up scrapping baseball entire- entirely. So oh, yeah. no longer in the Olympic games. And, and I, I got to look because there was a lot like baseball yeah. wrestling was even one. There were a lot of right. wrestling was, that I thought that was devastating for, uh, for uh, Tommy Lasorda because his whole point was, this is the best way to be able to get international talent to get, different countries interested in baseball. It'll be their only chance to maybe see it. So he was very disappointed because I know he was chairing or was co-chairing the uh, U.S. baseball. But, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see kind of, you know, these uh, – I, I like the spotlight being on some of these more obscure sports. because yeah, it's, it's their really moment. Shine. It's their moment, it, and they deserve it. And these are, these are athletes that are as world caliber and world class as, you know – the the LeBron Jameses of the world, but they're just in their own craft. They work Absolutely. as hard. They do a, a, everything that is asked of them. Training hours upon hours upon hours. They change their whole lives. I mean, like someone think about some of these women. You know, like Lindsey Bond and, and Julia. You know, they're they're in their mid thirties now or early thirties to mid thirties, and they're going to be able to kind of just really start their life. They haven't had. They haven't been able to live a life for their first. You know, they haven't been out partying, and they're not out doing things and because their 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 craft is their body they're not having kids and things like that you know they're not even really able to necessarily do what a normal regular person would want to do so sacrifices uh, yeah sacrifice just incredible and this is their moment it's it's always awesome because you know we even you and i talked about it a few weeks ago we weren't really getting a lot of buzz before the olympics but it's just one of those things where it's like the world cup it's like the NCAA basketball tournament. You get swept up in it, even if you don't mean to. <laughs> even if you're not like as into it one year as you might have been the year before. Once you start, 
and it, there's a couple games going on and you see a buzzer beater or a game like we saw last night with the UN's U.S. women's hockey team, you, you can't, you know, you, you get into it and you can't help it. You can't help but just get caught up in it. So it, it's always fun. We're no um, speed skating analyst experts, but I sure love to sit down and watch and root for the U.S. during the, uh, during the Olympics. There's, there's nothing like it. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the individuals that I loved rooting for is our next guest, Julia Mancuso. She's the most decorated Olympi- Olympic, female Olympic skier of all time in terms of medals. Four. She gold medaled uh, uh, several years ago and has two had a fantastic silvers. career. You have two silvers, uh, a bronze. She's been in world championship games. She's an all-time skier, an all-time great. I know sometimes Lindsey Vaughn gets some of the more notoriety, you know, dated Tiger Woods and, and been maybe a little bit in the mainstream media a tad more, but... Julia me, was actually really honest about that with us. She even yeah, said she no. really was. She really she said, was. I think everybody's going to enjoy this conversation. She's yeah. very candid. She opened up dramatically. And I just want to remind everybody, we had to record this and not do this live because right now it's like two in the morning in South Korea. So we ended up recording this interview just a, a couple days ago. At that time, like Gino mentioned, the U.S. had 10 medals. Uh, currently now at 21 as of uh, Thursday, February 22nd. But honestly, they're still they're on, they're up to fourth now. I think when we talked, they were in sixth. So they they've right. moved up a little. Up they, a little bit. The count has moved up, but it's still a little disappointing. We want to get ourselves up a, a couple more. I know we have an option with the uh, the men's curling team. They're going to be going for gold soon too. But uh, awesome job, Mike, getting Julia to come on with us. And I think everyone's going to love this interview that we have next. Let's do it and uh, enjoy Julia Mancuso, world-class skier, all-time great here for the U.S. Olympic team. And afterwards, we will talk a little bit about baseball and also give a big announcement towards the end of the show. Please stick around. Enjoy Julia Mancuso. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back, everybody. Mike and Gino here, and we are super excited to be speaking to our next guest. She is the most decorated female U.S. Olympic skier of all time with four medals. She's a gold medalist, and she's now covering the games for NBC. I am talking about none other than Julia Julia Mancuso. Julia, good morning for you. How are you? Uh, Good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks. Outstanding. So Gino and I have a lot of questions for you about the current games, but first and foremost, how's Korea coming along? Um, It's been fun. Korea is definitely different than any Olympics I've been to. Some of the skiing events, we, you know, definitely struggled with weather. So that that was tough in the beginning, but um, yeah, it's been fun and everything's been going really smooth and uh, we're definitely excited to have the games here. Julia, how are you feeling, let's say, physically first and then mentally second? Physically, are you able to move around and walk around? Because from um, things I've heard and read, it, you, you've you been having a tough time over the last couple of years, even just moving around when you weren't uh, on the course. And then how has it been for you having to, to make the transition from athlete to covering the sport so quickly? I mean, just a month or two ago, you were expecting to be here and now you're covering it. it has to be a whirlwind of emotion. Um, yeah, it's been tough, but I, I guess ever since I had my surgery two years ago, I was dealing with sort of fighting to come back, and with every hurdle became new expectations. So um, although it's been rough, it's been really an honor to be able to jump into that role with NBC and come here. Um, I'm actually not covering specifically skiing, even though I'm a huge fan still of the sport, so I'm really excited to involved as much as I can. I've been mostly doing cultural pieces around and having a lot of fun. So <laughs> it's, it's what I love, kind of the best of both worlds. I get to see a lot of events and experience the culture of South Korea and also get on the hill a couple times. So um, yeah, and getting around, that's, that's okay. I, I have a hard time walking some days, but I have a trusted scooter that I take with me everywhere. So that definitely helps. Nice. And you were talking about covering some of the cultural things. I saw you playing with the raccoons and skating and doing all sorts of fun stuff. What's been kind of one of the more interesting things for you where you're like, wow, I, I never would have imagined that I'd be in South Korea covering the games and, you know, playing with raccoons or, you know, what have been some of the crazier other things that you've done? Uh, well, I love Asian culture. Ever since the first time I traveled here, um, I think my first trip was to Thailand maybe 15 years ago with some of my teammates. We came on vacation, and I just love the culture and how it's sort of a all-night atmosphere. I mean, you can do anything at any time of the day in the city. So we were in Seoul for a few days, and that was, that was a highlight of my trip so far. I really love the city. I mean, of course, being here for the games is awesome, but... Um, I really enjoyed that. And, yeah, so hanging out with raccoons, that's pretty crazy. Also, we learned how to make their homemade alcohol. It's called soju. That piece hasn't come up. Or, yeah, um, we got to meet a really interesting woman who taught us how to make it with basically rice and their special fermented yeast. And... The cool thing was she took us around afterwards around the city, and we went to all these sort of underground 
almost like you would <laughs> you would compare it to a bootlegger. So we went to these different underground places that you know serve their homemade alcohol, and it's it's a very ancient tradition passed down. And that's probably something I would have never done if I was just visiting myself and didn't get to know the right people. So it's been really cool getting to do that. So, yeah, mostly about the people. That's been really fun. There's a lot of really awesome people in Korea. And we also got to go surfing, which was amazing. And the surf culture here, even though it's freezing, is actually pretty big. So, yeah, there's pretty much everything in this country. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it does look pretty cold out there, but I want to back up for a second. Gino, did you hear that? Homemade alcohol. All you need is rice and some yeast. So we, we got to get that recipe from you, Julia. So when we're done here, we're going to have to figure out a way to, to try this here at home and, uh, and try not to kill ourselves with it. But that sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can do a little more now, uh, right? Because you're not, you're not going down the, yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not on the course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So too many late nights. A lot of people... You know, sometimes it seems easier to be done competing, but um, I would say it's actually a lot harder because your number one priority is not taking care of your body and getting, like, 10 hours of sleep (laughs) and, like, six hours of training a day. It's more just having a lot of fun and then, like, you know, taking care of yourself is fitting in somewhere on the side, so. Yeah, you know what, Julia? I I would make for an excellent retired Olympian. I'm fantastic at it. Not taking care of my body is uh, is something that I do very very well, unfortunately. But that's that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and I was actually going to ask you, just in terms of your competitive juices and stuff, are you like, I'm really missing it. I want to be out there competing. It would be a record fifth Olympics for me, um, th- you know. Or or is it kind of more like, hey, I, I've had a wonderful career. You know, I put in my time, and and now it's about having a little bit of fun and 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 kind of sitting back and observing. Uh, you know, it's really a bit of both because I really miss it and I look back at what I could have done differently and somehow be competing, but with an injury, it kind of puts life in perspective in general and really makes you feel lucky. Like, I'm just so lucky and grateful for all of the good opportunities I've been given and to even compete in four Olympics and not have had an injury before even though my injury really sucks and it's a big bummer, it really helps me be at peace with not being able to compete because I know that if I'm competing, I want to be up there fighting for medals. I want to be seen as fast as anyone in the world. And if I can't do that, it's, it's a struggle. So I've been, I've been at peace with it for the last couple of years, really trying to make a comeback and stay positive. But, also knowing in the back of my mind, you know, if I'm not going to be 100% and if it's really hurting, you know, every morning was really tough for me and I kept waiting for that morning that I'd wake up and my hip would be feeling awesome because that's sort of what has always happened in the past. You get an injury and you can't see yourself getting better and then next thing you wake up one morning and you can't even remember the process of getting there and you feel good. So I was really hoping for that moment. But without getting there, it's made it a lot easier to not be competing here and and I'm a really big fan of all of my athletes and teammates in my sport. So it's easy for me to look at it from that perspective and get excited. 
So when, you you're, know, when you're walking around, who who are some of the people on the inside? It's always curious because we get a different narrative when we're watching. But on the inside, who are some of the big, the biggest stars? And who are some of the people, not even necessarily only U.S., but kind of all over? Like, where are the events that are getting the biggest draws, kind of the buzz around there? Um, any real big stars kind of come to mind? Uh, well, I guess being over here, the skating is huge. They love their short track, and they love their speed skating in Korea. So people, the Koreans really go crazy for that. And then I don't know if you watched any of the men's figure skating, but the Japanese guy, Yuzu, I think his name is, he is like a huge star. And, I mean, looking at the hype around that and seeing, you know, the Japanese people fly over and go crazy for him is pretty cool. So I noticed a really big discrepancy from other Olympics that are close to Europe or close to a big ski town. They don't know skiing well here, so it's a little disappointing at the skiing venues because the people just don't really get it, and there's not a big international crowd, so that's definitely different from other Olympics. Um, it's kind of sad, so I think really it's the indoor sports, the one, or, you know, like the hockey and the skating that's really drawing the figure skating that's really drawing the big crowds here yeah and it seems like you know uh th that's been an area that's gotten a lot of the attention on some of the nbc coverage that i've watched obviously sean white's gold uh you know especially him him at his age and kind of reinventing himself has gotten a lot of attention over here in the mainland but overall with 10 medals thus far, how would you kind of grade the U.S.'s performance? Has it been disappointing? Have they kind of hit the mark and, and have, have achieved kind of what you and, and some of the experts have, you know, kind of predicted that they would do? How would you grade the U.S. performance as a country so far? Um, yeah, it's been crazy. I, I think I was so caught up in the games, I didn't even realize. And we were sitting down and looking at the medal count, and I'm like, wait a minute. We only have 10 total medals. This is crazy. That is so different. Like, our U.S. is not doing well. And, and it's weird because if you're not in it, you don't really realize it. So then, you know, going to the USA house and sort of looking around and realizing that there's not an event every night, I think no one's really disappointed by any means. But for sure, there's that lingering, like, ooh, this is, you know, not great. What's what's going on here? Why aren't we getting a lot of medals? And I mean, from the scheme perspective, which is all I really know, um, for sure the only there's been two disappointments so far. You know, with Lindsay not meddling in the super G, and with Michaela missing out on a medal in the slalom. That's that was pretty huge for skiing. But on the men's side, we've just had so many injuries that. You know, Ted was really a long shot at a medal coming back from an injury in the giant slalom. He had a podium before coming here, but I think a lot of people knew that it was going to take something really special, a special performance from him. So, um, yeah, we're just really missing, really, we're missing that on the men's skiing side, and, and hopefully we'll get two more medals on the women's side. We'll see. Sure. Now I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, if I may. So you'd mentioned, you know, some of the skiers and you're the most decorated, you know, in terms of medals, uh, you know, in terms of an Olympic female skier. So when you're watching these games, are you 100 percent rooting for them or is there a part of you that's like, hey, I kind of want to keep that title as long as as humanly possible, <laughs> being the most decorated skier, you know, how, and how do you balance that emotion? Um, well, I for sure love 
that I have a record that I can still keep after this, especially with all the hype going into um, Michaela and also Lindsay. I think a lot of people were really expecting them to get to medals for Lindsay and three for Michaela. And, yeah, just knowing that I can walk away with that medal, of course I'm rooting for my teammates because I think it's so special to be able to stand on top. And I think both of them, of any athlete out there, deserve it. They've been so successful on the World Cup, and they're such incredible athletes that they really do deserve to stand on the top step of that podium. But as far as my you know, record goes, I think that sometimes it's hard to realize how difficult it is to have the performance that you want on that day. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just proud, and it also goes to show how hard it really is, and I think that that, you know, the fact that both of them with such a good track record on the World Cup falling short, it just, you know, it, it helps me explain to people how hard it really is to show up on that day and have a good performance. Absolutely. I mean, Gino, you know, the interesting thing about it, and Gino and I are huge sports fans, and, and you know, a lot of the sports that we, we follow and cover are obviously team sports, but it's really an interesting dynamic in the Olympics because it would be the equivalent of having, like, L.A. Dodgers players compete against each other, but also be teammates, and there's this competition, but there's also this camaraderie. It's definitely an interesting dynamic, and it's kind of cool to hear your kind of perspective of it and, and how you kind of go about rooting for your teammates and things of that nature. That's, that's really cool. Mike, let my... me piggyback on that real quick. Go for because, it, please. Yeah. Cause, uh, Lin- Lindsay actually, she said some really nice things uh, about you, Julia, when, when, um, you announced that you weren't going to be able to make it. And, and she was kind of honest and said, you know, we weren't, we've had a kind of up and down relationship. We weren't always best friends, but I think we made each other better because we, we pushed each other, whether it be, you know, inadvertently, but we always kind of made each other better. And it's, um, yeah, as Mike was mentioning, what was that relationship like between you and Lindsay through the years? Um, yeah, I mean, when Lindsay first had her success and then I started having my success, we always had success in different ways. I think Lindsay was always the more consistent ski racer and I had a little more of a struggle on different hills so I did really well on certain hills and just couldn't pull it together on other ones and um, I mean skiing is a gravity sport and I didn't quite have the same build as Lindsay and she can really throw it down with using gravity to her advantage but um, it really was the goal to push each other and having that that um, speed in training and being able to train with someone where you could push each other there, too. Like, you always kind of knew where you stood. And, of course, looking at someone to see what's possible as well. And, I don't know, in some ways it helped us, in some ways it hurt us. I think both of us agree that it was really difficult for us as juniors because we were always looked at at juniors and we were always the best at juniors and we didn't, we weren't able to get transcribe that over into the seniors and like professional stage so we were always winning world juniors and it took us to the age when we weren't a junior anymore to actually stand up on the world stage and win whereas if you saw Michaela racing she was already winning as a junior so I think that in some ways because we were put up at a on a pedestal as a young athlete we we were just kind of stuck there and we didn't like reach higher until we got to that point but um yeah, that was also 
exciting. And it was nice to have a teammate and someone that was my same age to look up to and push forward. And, yeah, I mean, if you're the, I think as a ski racing nation, the U.S., we produce a lot of champions. But if you look at the overall team, it's really hard to, you know, we don't have a lot of athletes between 5th and 30th place as opposed to other countries. It's really just been me, Lindsay, Michaela. Um, in, in the middle, it's like, you know, they've had their ups and downs. So if you're just out there alone, I think it's easy to become stagnant because you're like, oh, I'm the best in my country. So I think me and Lindsay really help push each other in that sense. Yeah, so there's not a lot of depth, really, um, is, is what you're saying, because it's just the top tier, and then everybody else is just kind of... Uh, you know, cannibalizing, you know, kind of the, the sport, if you will. But I, I want to go back to 2006. You got the gold medal, giant slalom. And when you think back to how you felt, how proud you were, how proud America was of you, and you f- think about how high you were at that moment, does that high outweigh the lows of maybe the opportunities that you missed out on? Is there one opportunity that really stands out that you're like, wow, I really, really wish that I would have been able to, to do something differently or man, I almost had it or, you know what I mean? Like does the, does the high outweigh the low or, or, you know, I know like I represent NFL players as an agent and you talk to guys in, in the NFL and sometimes it's losing in the conference championship game that almost is more painful on them than how high they were winning the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, we have so many races and you go from a perfect example is this year. If you look at Michaela, she won the gold medal in the GS, and the next day she had to stand on the start gate and race slalom, and she missed the podium, and it almost outweighed that day. It's like, okay, I won gold, but now I'm just, you know, defeated in the slalom, and it feels so shitty, and you're just like, okay, we have to keep getting up and going to a race. So as a ski racer, we just have so many competitions, and it's a constant roller coaster because it's really hard and really difficult to win all the time. And, um, and it's tough. And for me, my gold medal came at the beginning of my career. So I guess I always felt like, man, why couldn't I have done it again? Because that just set me up for this amazing career. I didn't even have a win on the world cup when I won that Olympic medal. And then moving forward, I won seven other world cups, but I was never able to have that perfect performance again in the Olympics and man I came close and that's what I think coming here as an athlete and not being able to compete and being injured I sort of reminisce on those times a little more but I just think it's all about your mental game and staying positive so for me I just have to stay in that place of positivity and not really reminisce on times but I definitely had some moments in the Olympics where I made one little mistake that cost me the podium or cost me the top step of the podium. And, and it hurts for sure, but it's just because I'm competitive. And I also think that is what's special about sport is because there are those moments of high and low. And you also have to appreciate the moments where you were able to pull it out. And sometimes it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that when you're in the moment. So, um, I think that the power of positivity and mental attitude is really, really, um, yeah, it's really important to have a strong mental game and, and really stay gracious and grateful for all the good moments as an athlete. That's awesome. 
That's fantastic. I mean, uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to love hearing that, getting the mental approach from a world-class athlete, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. We're up against the clock with a commercial break here, but we are so appreciative that you've made time in your super busy schedule. Definitely thankful to Dylan for helping us out. He's absolutely fantastic guy. And uh, just in our short interactions, I've definitely appreciated everything that he's done and that you've done to, to make this work. Where can we uh, catch you Where can our listeners follow you? And uh, really quickly, if you could tell us just kind of what your plans are after this. I mean, uh, you're retired now working with NBC. What, what are your plans moving forward? Um, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, my husband, he's awesome. He's been my rock through this injury. So thank you, Dylan, for all of your amazing hard work <laughs> helping me with my career. And yeah, in the future, I'm just planning on traveling. I have a gym that I'm opening up. I'm really into fitness and outdoors. So we're putting together a rock climbing facility in Truckee, which should open next Christmas. That's exciting. So, um, Skiing's always been my hobby, and I've always been busy in other fronts, so it's exciting. And now, um, yeah, to follow me, I just, my social media is at Julia Mancuso on Instagram and Twitter and Julia Mancuso USA on Facebook. And, yeah, that's it. Enjoy that alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. I just... I was just going to say, I just added you on Twitter and we'll, we're going to be tweeting out uh, highlights of the show. And we thank you very, very much for joining us, Julia. And when you guys are in LA, I already told Dylan, I got you guys taken care of in terms of NFL tickets. So thank you so much. Well, and we'll keep watching you. on NBC. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you Bye. so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Hunter participation plays a vital role in funding for wildlife management. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we'll talk about recruiting new hunters, hunter education, and so much more. Joining us is Allie and Adriana Armstrong of Grace, Camo, and Lace, Eva Shockey from Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures, and Greg Randolph with Decked. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as Gino and I did. Gino, Julia is just such an amazing athlete. She's got such a wonderful personality. 
she's going to be she's going to do just fine whether it be in the media or whatever she yeah, wants to do in life because she's just an all-around awesome person she'll have her pick yeah she was a great interview uh she gave us some good insight and as you mentioned, she's not afraid to uh, to pull any punches or just tell exactly how she feels. Yeah, um, she didn't hold back be, at all. Whether it be positive, negative, or whatever. And that, that's what you, you need from an analyst, and we really appreciate it because it had to be so difficult. I mean, just a month ago, she was thinking she was going to be in these Olympics, a little over a month ago, and having to retire. Which would have been a record. Now, now to cover the Olympics. And, you know, like, you see a lot of people, they, they need a little time and, and and out of that transition, because when you've dedicated your life to something and you do it competitively and then it's over, it's it's hard to just move on to something else, you know, and it's. But I'll tell you really, what, it's probably the best way. It pro- it's probably the best way, because you see, the thing is, when it comes to like professional team sport athletes, they get really bored very quickly. And some of them even like get depressed. Yeah, I couldn't that's do it. That's a whole separate subject matter. But this was this is nice because she still gets kind of uh, to be a part of it. And I couldn't you know, do what she's doing. I couldn't. Yeah. Do it. It, would, no? it would like I think I think it's it would be so hard to have that. And you know how she she's super competitive too. And and to have to turn that off or just to be around everything that she's been around four times previously as an athlete. Like with a year in between to get over it, I could do it. But how 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 it happened so quickly for her? I don't think I could make that transition that quickly. Like I would need some time to to get over the fact that my career is done to kind of mentally move on to the next step. What she's done to me is just unbelievable. But I'll tell you I'm what, really that impressed. timing. I'll tell you what, that timing is really beneficial for her though, because here's the deal. It happened here. She retired just a month ago and now she's covering the games and doing work for if NBC. It was two years ago. In well, between two years Olympics, now, yeah. In between Olympics. She might not get this gig. Yeah, no, you're right. No. And, and, and that's, and that's key. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where I've seen it. You know I mean? I, I like, I bring a lot of things back to one of my hobbies and one thing that I, I like to, to watch and that's wrestling, you know? And even though wrestling is something that's scripted and predetermined, you see it happen with guys a lot of the times. Daniel Bryan is a name that a lot of people know because he, he was really popular over the last few years. And he got a couple of concussions to where concussions and neck injuries to where he wasn't allowed to work anymore. And he kind of did that. He literally had to take a year off. He couldn't even be around, you know, Monday Night Raw and WrestleMania and be around that life that he had because it was too hard for him. It was too hard for him to see his like the love of his life, this sport and this, um, this it, it, what he had dedicated everything to and to be around it. So I, I'm super impressed with what she's been able to do and how she's able to do it, to do it. And I think what what she what said with us too is that she doesn't really feel like she has any regrets because when your body just quits on you, what can you do, right? Like if if you go to if you go to make a move and it's just not there. What, what can you do anymore? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, even though it was bang, bang, I mean, she's in her 30s. And I think any athlete will tell you it's not going to be easy when you finally have to call it quits. But she had a, a long, very productive and all time great career. So and you uh, got the gold. She got, got and she gold. got the gold. You win so, a title. When you win I don't think one, there's any regrets like you said, you know, yeah. when you win one, you can always know with i did everything i could and i won one so that you know that that's incredible and we were we were 
really, really lucky to have her on. Uh, so I um, can't can't tell you enough what a great interview that was and, uh, and how lucky we were to have the gold medal winner, Julia Mancuso, on the show with us. But we only have about 10 minutes left or so, Mikey. We, I want to mention, I want to ask you a question about one thing in basketball, and then I know we have a big announcement to make. Um, so the reports have been coming out recently about Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard, who, I mean, if you're making a list start at the beginning of this year and you're, and you're going through the best players in the league, and we're talking about best two-way players, people that can play offense, defense, that are the absolute star of your team and franchise— you're probably going LeBron, Durant, and then Kawhi. If you're talking about two-way players, Curry, Giannis, Harden, incredible. Offensively, I think Giannis is still a little, little below. He's got to prove a little bit more. And then Curry and Harden, offensively incredible. When you're talking about a two-time first-team All-NBA player, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, and the 2014 NBA Finals MVP, Mike, he's only played nine games this year for the Spurs. It's just it's flown real, right under the radar. Now Popovich said yesterday he doesn't expect Kawhi to come back with only 23 games left. He's actually been cleared by the doctors, but Kawhi kind of shut himself down because he doesn't feel necessarily 100%. There are reports that are, have come out of the Spurs and San Antonio that Kawhi is unhappy with the organization. He's unhappy with uh, everything that happened with this injury. He's unhappy with the fact that they haven't been able to get top-tier free agents to come join him. We never hear any kind of negative coming out of San Antonio and the Spurs. If this was any organ- other organization, wouldn't this be a huge, huge deal, the fact that one of the top five players in the league has only played nine games this year, and we don't even really know what or what's going on? I think that's a, the San Antonio, Texas effect. So you're absolutely right. I think, you know, if, if this is Chicago Bulls, New York Knicks, the LA, LA Lakers, Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, even you're, the Bulls. You're, you're, Mark Bulls, the number one draft pick, hasn't played. And we're, we're hearing a lot more about why he hasn't played than, than Kawhi. Yeah, I, th- I think I think this is just kind of tucked away into the heart of Texas, you know, San Antonio. And l- let's take a step back for a second. I'm curious your thoughts. So let's go back to last summer. San Antonio versus Golden State. San Antonio is up by 20 against the Warriors. They're going to win that I, game. I'm, I'm firmly series, believe they're going to win that game. They win, yeah, 100% they win that game. And, so and, and if he doesn't get hurt, do they win that series? I Honestly, I, I watching the way that, that game was playing out, it was hard not to think it was going to be at least a seven-game series, right? Because the one thing that Kawhi makes you do is he makes you work so hard on both ends. There's nobody else in the league. I honestly don't even think at this stage of his career, LeBron is as good of a defender anymore as Kawhi. When we're talking about Kawhi, we're talking about probably one of the five best defensive players of all time. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm convinced if he doesn't get hurt, they absolutely win that game, clearly. I mean, that's not a, going on a limb. They're up, so then they're up one nothing, and they got the home court advantage back to them. I, 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 was with, think they win I that was with you. And that just changed everything. Everything. It really changed everything. And then, you know, obviously a Spurs team without Kawhi has no opportunity to, to, to beat the Warriors. But, you know, and I, I'm always I'm always thinking with uh, with Laker tinted glasses here. But th- I've, I've started to hear a couple things about this now in that Kawhi has one more year under contract with the Spurs. And then is he the type of a guy in... He's he's owed twenty million dollars for the 2018-2019 season, and then he has a player option uh, after that. So if he leaves, 
is Kawhi the type of guy that would maybe come to L.A.? Is Kawhi the type of player that if you put Kawhi with like a Paul, maybe you get Paul George next year, Kawhi in two years. Now you've got a team with Kawhi, Paul George, and these four young Lakers studs that we have with Lonzo, with Kuzma, with Brandon Ingram, with Josh Hart. Um, I mean, I'm always thinking, wondering, and you never have heard any, any rumblings of Kawhi being unhappy, but just something to keep in mind. Maybe uh, something that Magic and the Lakers are thinking about. There's not a lot of teams that have cap space next year in particular and in the next couple years. So just remember, maybe you heard it here, Mike, that Kawhi, possibly a future Laker in a couple years. That's an interesting thought, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this. I would be very concerned if he's indeed uh, dissatisfied with the Spurs organization. It's a first-class run team, and you know, obviously pop over there and it's a championship organization. So if you're not happy there, I'd be a little bit concerned about why. And we, you know, we may never find that out. Although but. let me piggyback the point on this, right? And, and this is one thing my dad used to tell me too. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. You think you do, but like how many times do you look at like a relationship of a couple of your friends and you go, man, they are just so happy. And then boom, they break up. Right. You just don't. A lot of times we see what we see on the outside, but you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And so I've never heard of anybody really in the Spurs being unhappy. Never. Someone like Kawhi. A lot of people are saying, I didn't even know Kawhi could be unhappy. He doesn't smile. He doesn't he doesn't show any emotion whatsoever. So it's just weird when you hear rumblings like this coming out, because there's got to be a little a little bit of truth to them. But we only have a, a few minutes left, Mike. And I know you have a big, big announcement to make coming up for a, a future episode of the Mike Abadir show. Yeah, so let's set the table a little bit. Um, I, we're up against the clock, so I wish we had more time to talk baseball because there's been a lot of interesting moves. You know, you, you Darvish to the Cubs. And, Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson was traded to the Yankees. And <laughs> and, and uh, Sandy Alderson talking about maybe Tebow being in the bigs and obviously the big signing for the Red Sox, J.D. Martinez. So there's a lot of baseball to talk about. So let me walk everybody through what the next few episodes are going to look like when we're going to cover baseball, and that'll segue to the announcement. So next week is going to be an all-NFL Combine related show we're going to have a beat writer from the times in new orleans covering the saints he's in indianapolis he's going to give us a live report we're going to have previous guest of ours rick saratella he's going to come on with us he's with nfl draft bible and he's going to give us a report directly from indy and we're also going to have gregory oliver who goes by the name sweets formerly trained barry bonds a rod some of the biggest nfl players in the history of the game and all both sports And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about training and how that relates to the combine. The week after is going to be an all baseball episode. I'll get more into that next week. The episode after that, Thursday, March 15th, it's going to be the morning of the first round of March Madness. We're going to take the show on the road to Las Vegas from directly from the race and sports book at Treasure Island Gino and I are going to be there. Anybody who is in Las Vegas for March Madness, and I know a lot of people go for that, uh, please come by to Treasure Island. Say hello. Be a part of the show. We're going to be interactive. We're going to get everybody involved. We're going to have promotional giveaways. We're also going to have a contest like we did the NFL Pick'em Contest. We're going to roll that out in the next uh, couple weeks to give some idea as to what we're doing and what the giveaways are. Obviously, you can't fill out those brackets until the Sunday before uh, uh, the tournament starts, but we're hitting the road, G. 
Yeah, and, and uh, just got a confirmation from our buddy Keeneland Dan. He's going to come on March 8th, the week before, to kind of give us a little table setting. We could talk all about the conference tournaments that are happening then, and we can kind of pick Dan's brain a little on some of the teams that he thinks could make it far uh, or into the final four. So we are we're set up for the next month pretty well. Mike, and I'm really excited about that live show. So we're going to try to get as many people as we can. Any of you that are listening, if you were thinking about heading out to Vegas, well, now, why not? Come on out. Hang out with us uh, in the Treasure Island. We'll have our show for a couple hours. We'll hang out afterwards, have a couple drinks, watch games all throughout the day. It'll be an absolute blast. We're super stoked for it. And by the way, we're really supposed to call the tournament since now we're involved in Treasure Island. You know, we're going to call it the championship game or... We're going out there for some madness in March, maybe. Uh, We'll have to figure out a way to cleverly let everybody know what we're out there for. But this is the end of the show, but at the beginning of a lot of excitement, baseball around the corner, the tourney, and live road show from Las Vegas. Don't forget to head to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, a five-star rating. Those help us jump up. They help us so much, and it only takes about a second or two. So if you can, head on over to iTunes, leave us a nice five-star rating and a review. Absolutely. Thank you, Julia Mancuso. We'll see you guys all next week. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.